You're listening to God Stories Radio. God Stories Radio. God Stories Radio. Bringing hope and comfort through the Christian testimony. You're tuned into the God Stories Radio podcast. www.godstoriesradio.com And welcome to session 48. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And I'm Trish. Hot diggity. I couldn't wait to get here tonight, Mike. I couldn't either. It's Thursday. I look forward to Thursday. Me too. I'm sipping on a good coffee and chatting with 32 nations. Yes. Now, 32 countries. Thir- 32 countries. countries. The newest one, South Korea. South Korea. Welcome, South Korea. Man, it just blows my mind. Mm-hmm, it does. It really, really does. Trish, how's your week? My week's been awesome. You know, um, God laid it on my heart to um, track this woman down, get her to come and give her testimony, and she's scheduled next month. But the crazy thing was that um, I was reading her story, I didn't know if she would come and give us her testimony. She's actually coming here personally? She's coming here personally. And I read about her story from 20 years ago, and God said, track her down. And I was like, what? Track her down? How am I going to? So I just started researching how to find this woman and track her down and see if she'll come give her story, you know, her testimony. And then I saw another article that said she had turned oprah winfrey down twice and i'm like really god i mean you know i'm not big on rejection here (laughs) no but that's why he told you to contact her but yeah and the more i read it was like her father was a pastor and now she's a pastor and like the more i was reading about her it was just leading right to her and and whose gig is this and she said yes it's gsr and it's God's gig, so he's in control. He's bigger than Oprah Winfrey and all her fame. You think? Fortune. You think? Just oh, amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I got that call from her this morning. So, so you got the tickled. nudge. I got the nudge. Yeah. And she got the nudge, and she said yes. So That's she lives fantastic. in where, Orlando? No, I think up near Ocala. Well, so she's got a ride down. Yeah, she does have a ride. All right, so long as she's going to show up. That's fine. That's fabulous. You know I am. I'd rather have them person as opposed to a call Yeah, we can do telephone call-ins, but, you know, we definitely prefer live and in person. Oh, absolutely. Especially if you're in the state of Florida. Yeah. Especially if you like coffee. (laughs) (laughs) We like coffee here at God Stories Radio. So I need some prayer, too, because I put in a job application today for uh, our very own TV45. Wow. Really? Yes, I did. That's funny because the woman that... Um, is coming next month that's where i saw her interview was on good life 45 and i thought okay she gave she didn't give oprah an interview but she gave them an interview so 
maybe there's a chance, you know? Well, Mikey's not going there. He has no, left the building. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. <laughs> All right. All right, let's move on. Enough about us. Sheesh. Sheesh, we got a guest in here tonight. We got a guest in here tonight. So, we Trish, do. why don't you introduce her? Yeah, introduce her. Okay. This woman came to me because I needed help with a neighbor, an elderly neighbor, and he didn't have a vehicle, and she basically said, I'll be his transportation. And she's, and I said, you know, do you charge for that? She said, I, I charge a nominal fee, but I just see it as my ministry. There's so many elderly people down here in Florida that are, you know, homebound and need help. She, um, you know, goes and buys their groceries and puts them in their house. And, you know, there's single moms with autistic children and she goes and does their shopping and takes care of them and you know she said that it's part of her ministry and i said well we have a ministry god stories radio and i told her about god stories radio and so i asked her if she'd come out and share her testimony and with that i'll give you kathy gearhart thank you hi kathy welcome to the show welcome to the show Thank you. It is so good to be here with you, and and I've been a follower of yours for a little while, and it's it's great to see you and be a part of your amazing ministry that you have here. Thank you. Well, thank, thank you. you. Not everybody says yes. That's right. We ask a lot of people, and not everybody says yes. So yeah. thank you for coming. Thank you. Well, it's it's God. It's not me. I'm only God's instrument. When God nudges, I go, yes. and and that's how i work it all right so anyway so that's yes and it was a pleasure to help trisha i love helping people and i loved helping your neighbor and and that's exactly what my purpose is god's destiny for me is to do is to help amen all right as as trish was saying my name is kathy and i am a fully devoted follower of jesus christ over the last several years i have been a part of a program called celebrate recovery with that it has opened up a whole way of figuring out who I am and and the mask that I've been able to come off because of because of that. And I am on the road to recovery. And I, it's from verbal and emotional abuse, physical abuse as far as childhood bullying, codependency, food addiction, and abandonment. And honestly, when I really think of all of this, I really think of Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall because he sat on a wall and he had all the king's horses and all the king's men, but no one could put Humpty together again. At times over my last 51 years, I really wondered how me as being the Humpty could be put back together again. And it is really honestly by the grace of God that I can honestly say that God has put me back together. It has been a long and emotional time of healing, having to take off, to open up those wounds, to open up my heart that I locked a lot of things in, and have been able to to address them, acknowledge them, but also at the same time, be set free from those, those things that had bondaged me. Amen. Amen. One of the verses that I learned growing up was Joshua 1.9, and it said, be strong and courageous. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And I remember learning this verse when I was in grade school. And I wondered why me, that little girl, was not strong enough to to fend off those who beat me up every day after school. 
when I was picked on in the playground and found that I did not have many real friends that would defend me. Why wasn't I strong? God said I was going to be strong, and why wasn't I? Thankfully, I did have an older brother that often did come to my aid and defend me, but that was not always the case. But from the time I was, that I can even remember, I always knew that I was adopted. Mm-hmm. I was always told my birth mother loved me enough to want me to have a mom and a dad. I was thankful later in life that I knew from the moment that I could understand that I was special, loved, and chosen. I was six weeks old when I made my adopted family complete. I had a brother two years older than myself, so we became a family of four. My mom and dad were a little bit older, probably than the typical adopted family or even biological family. My, my dad was in his early 40s and my mom was in her late 30s and had a very um, prominent ministry. Uh, I'm a pastor's kid. I came into a family that was well-established in their careers. My mom did choose to be home with us, you know, well, until we were in school. But once, once I was in school, that is kind of like when a lot of the, the bullying, the being picked on and so forth happened. And, of course, she was never there. You know, but yet I always said I should be grateful. I had a forever family, and that should be enough. And yet often I felt like that little misfit toy. I was different. I was never one that was picked to be on a team. I was always the last one picked. Um, oftentimes people had, a, you know, others were forced to have me on a team. I was ever, never one that they wanted on the team. I was always just that misfit toy. I also had struggles uh, through my life, and that was I was... By the time I was two years old, my parents discovered I was deaf on my right ear and I was partially blind on my right eye. And then by three, I wasn't walking that well. And by four, I wasn't walking well. And finally, when I was six years old, I had a surgery to correct my foot. And it was a year-long progress. That included a leg brace from the bottom of my foot to my knee. That didn't help. That, That didn't help my teasing. I was teased profusely because of that. So that wouldn't help, but it never really helped my coordination, my balance, and I still fell often. So it seemed that because of that, I, I was the misfit egg, the person that could never be. Hopefully, with having the surgery, I would have a better outcome. That was not to be the case. My parents often had to move houses because I was picked on so much at a school, we would moved to a different school district, and hopefully I'd have a fresh start. I repeated grade three twice, and the second time I was in a new school that I stayed in until I I graduated grade eight. This was the time when most of my childhood bullying came about. I still remember the guy's name and how much he impacted my life. We were in the same classroom for all six years. I was picked on in in the classroom, in the lunchroom, on the way home from school. It was constant. And yet, through that, I learned very well to wear a mask and not to tell anyone. Yes, my parents knew I was beat up. My brother often came to my rescue, but how often I was beat up was never really ever addressed. I hated to go to school. I literally hated it. So what I would do is I would call my mom or my dad and say, I don't feel well, I just don't want to go to school. Most of the time, the older I got, I was able to not go to school. 
and that saved me. That was, that was just the best thing for me. But in doing that, I also found that my friend became food because food loved me. Food was always there. It never rejected me. It always loved me. Once I got into my, what we would say here, middle school, food was becoming an addiction, and so was the weight gain. But yet, even in my home life, I had bullying. My brother and I did not get along, and we often did not see eye to eye. He did not like that I wanted to to have so much attention. When he had friends over, I wanted to be with him and his friends, mostly because I really never had friends over. I was insecure to the max. It was during this time I was often tied up, and a permanent marker was plastered on my face by my brother and his friends. So I was not only made fun of at school, but often at home when my parents weren't home. My brother and I spent countless hours at home, and I learned the love of reading, and eating, and watching TV. I also learned at this time that talking on the phone was a great, safe way to communicate because I could not be teased or beaten up. It was safe. I had two friends when I, when I was in my last elementary school that lived across the street from me. We did quite a bit together, yet once again, when we moved, I never saw them again. So that also showed me how much I really didn't have them as friends. I was always jealous to some degree that my brother had everything. He was smart. He never had a struggle in school. He always had friends, and always later, once he got into high school, was Mr. Popularity. He had everything in life, everything I so wanted and did not have. Adoption also made me feel like I was that jigsaw puzzle that never fit, that misfit. My adopted grandparents on my, on one of the sides of my family never really felt like I was totally family for them. It was evident who the biological children were and who was adopted. There was actually one of my cousins that actually has said to me later on in life that he never felt like he fit in. So I was not the only one. And yet, we always felt like we were never a part of the team. I know my grandparents accepted and loved me, but they really only outwardly showed it. They never showed it inwardly. The gifts we received were never as nice or cost as much as those that were biologically theirs. I always knew I was different. So finally, I made a choice. In grade 10, I left home and went to a boarding high school. Three hours from home, it was a Christian high school and had a Bible college attached to it. But the teasing followed. And the reason the teasing followed a lot of it was because my brother and and some of his friends decided to go to the Bible school there, so it kind of came with me. So I decided that I would come back for my grade 11 school year, and I went back home for grade 11. And then I ended up going back to the boarding school for grade 12. And, and I continued for one year Bible school. I think my first year of Bible school was when I really learned how to wear my mask better and how to hide my insecurities. I was teased less, learned to talk more of what people wanted to hear and what they didn't want to hear. Off and on, when I was in my teenager's years, I was involved in, in children's ministries as, as well as youth ministries. Youth for Christ was something that was very prominent in my hometown. And I was often a part of that. And it was a, ch- a chapter in my life where I did feel reasonably safe. I loved to serve God, and I did find acceptance in this group. But even then, I never had a best friend, a confident someone that was always there. I had surface friends. But then 
I had to have surface friends at church because my dad was either the associate pastor or the pastor of church, so it was kind of like a given. People had to. It seemed my friends were older and often newly married. I can say that three of those ladies in my life that when I was a teenager and were newly married still to this day are my confidence and my mentors. They knew that I, that I needed love. At age 19, I decided to leave Canada where I was born and raised, and I came to the States. I went to a Christian university called Liberty University. Mm-hmm. I, I was excited for the challenge. It, it was before me. It was a great school. I was very fortunate. I was under Dr. Farwell. I was really on fire for God. But I quit after one semester. I was scared I would fail. And so it was easier to go back home. I just didn't know how to live in the body that I was. I was still overweight, still didn't have many friends, and I just didn't know how to be me. I didn't know who me was. So I stayed home and back in Canada for a year and a half, trying to find me, but nothing seemed to work. I couldn't find the right career. I didn't know what my passions were. Nothing seemed to fall into place. I decided to go back to, to Liberty to continue my teaching degree and see where life would go. So I went back, finished my sophomore year, and in my junior year, I met a guy. And I don't know why, but it seems always a guy can change the course of, my, of your life. And In he walks. <laughs> and he walked in, and the path I wanted to take walked out the, the other door. I fell in, almost head over heels in love instantly. L- needless to say, he proposed over Memorial Day weekend, and we were married eight weeks later. So I did not finish my senior year. But, you know, we were good friends. We had talked about everything. I just knew he was the one for me. I did have warning bells that were going off in my head, but I chose to ignore them. I was excited to be getting married, just like everybody else was. I was normal. I loved him, and I was so desperate for that love and acceptance and feeling like I was just like everybody else. I know looking back, I realized that the warning bells I had were something I should have listened to, but I was so insecure and so much money to be somebody I wasn't that I was willing to give up my dreams for just for, for being loved. 18 months into the marriage, we had a daughter and moved to Pennsylvania to be closer to his, my husband's side of the family, his parents. This turned out to be disastrous because, as you know, sometimes you, you don't get along with your in-laws. Well, they didn't like me, and as hard as I tried to like them, it just didn't work. There was a lot of tension in the house. It seemed like the more I tried, the more I failed, and I could never do anything right. Tensions in, in my home were huge. It seemed like I was not good enough to be a mother. I wasn't mothering right. I could not take the criticisms well. My in-laws and my husband wanted me to be one way, and I was another way, and it was a constant battle. It was like no one wanted me just to be me. We had two more children while living in Pennsylvania, yet my issues continued. There was the weight, my food addiction, wanting love and acceptance were huge, and all those I didn't have. Yet it was here finally I had two best friends that had slowly began to love and support me. And yet, the day I moved down to Florida, I didn't have them again. So again, I kind of felt like I was abandoned because it seemed no matter what I did, my friends never stayed with me long term. I was active in church ministries, and that's where I felt home. I loved serving God. But yet, due to health issues, 
we pulled up our roots in Pennsylvania and we moved to Florida. Florida is really where life turned upside down. I never found friendships like we had, like I had had in Pennsylvania. My husband was unhappy and I was unhappy, and we had three children under age seven, and it was not easy. I felt like I had to do something, so I got a job in a daycare so my youngest son could come with me and he could go for free. I felt very much alone. My husband was sleeping on a couch, and he said he did not love me anymore. Why is it that no one ever wanted a long-term relationship with me? I could never figure that out. Yet six months later, he changed his mind and said he did love me and wanted to get back together. In my codependent state, I accepted him back because I knew that I needed him. I needed the love. I did not know how to use my voice, and so the issues that we had had were never resolved. I just kept trying and trying to find love from him and do things the way he wanted because I felt like if I did it his way, he would love me. I needed him, or so I thought. I was so programmed to live with these masks that I had been hauling around for so many years, I didn't really understand that over the years I had really been a victim of verbal abuse. I remember one time in the grocery shopping when I put something in the cart that was not on, on the list my, my husband had prepared, and my son was saying I better put that back because his dad would be mad. Yet it was something I needed, and yet my son was right. I had to put it back. Even, even my children knew that, in a sense, I was a prisoner, that I had little control over what I did and what I did not do. Involvement in church. Considering all my life I had been very active in church, from Youth for Christ to, to the children's musicals I was in, to going to a Christian high school, boarding high school, I was always active and involved in something, and yet all of a sudden I dropped out being involved in church. I used to love helping out, and yet because we moved a lot and because of my issues, I just didn't feel like I could. I didn't feel like I could put my feet deeply in church. It was just, I, I never felt like I was worthy. Our children at this time were getting older. I had one in middle school and two in elementary school, and, and slowly they were getting up into the youth, and we started realizing we had to do something that was more concrete for them. And we had heard that the church in town had a great youth group, First United Methodist Church. And so we started going there. What ended up happening was my husband started getting involved and with the middle school, and yet I sat on the sidelines. No one ever asked me for help, and honestly, no one ever really talked to me much. At age 41, my life took a whole new normal. It was the summer of 2004. A hurricane was headed our way. Ugh. Remember those hurricanes? I think I it was remember. Charlie and, and Francis and a couple other names I can't Three totally remember. Yes, every other weekend. Yeah, it seemed like it was every other weekend. And yet during those times, I, I felt like something was going on in my head, and I was starting to hear a buzz in my head. It wouldn't go away. It was like I had a bumblebee or something in my head. And someone told me it was because of the barometric, barometric pressure, because of the hurricanes. You know how that is here? Everything is kind of wacko. So I went to see an ENT here in, locally, and they said that I had to go see a special ENT that dealt with more chronic hearing issues. They said my left ear was starting to fail. And as you know, my right ear from birth was, was deaf. So I couldn't ha this couldn't be happening. I went to this doctor, and he suggested we do some kind of injections into my left ear 
that he was hoping would take some of the swelling down and would restore some of my hearing. My hearing. After 12 weeks, those were not helpful at all. So he suggested a cochlear implant on my right ear, which was my dead ear, to see if that would help. So in 2005, I had this done. I had this cochlear implant, which is basically a computer that goes in your head. You wear an outside processor, and they work together. It wraps around the cochlear, and you can hear. It's kind of miraculous, but I'm really bionic. Um, yeah, how do you decide to it, go through with that? <laughs> it, was, it was huge, but I knew we had to try the dead ear. Um, it worked. It was successful in that I could hear the beats. Like I could, you know, kind of like hear that type of thing. I could, but I couldn't hear the words. You know, mm. if somebody was talking, it just kind of felt like that, like somebody was pounding. So you got the vibration. The vibration, yeah. I just kept using a hearing aid. They gave me a hearing aid. And as, as somebody had said, you know, they don't always work or they're such a hassle to work with. Well, in a matter of four years, I went through four different hearing aids because I kept failing and they kept not being powerful enough. So I had to keep going and going and going and getting one. Unfortunately, at home, they didn't quite understand my hearing loss. I couldn't hear the alarm clock in the morning, so how could I be expected to hear words, especially if you were in another room calling me? How could, but, and it was expected that because I had a hearing aid that I could hear. Thankfully, texting about this time was becoming more rampant, and I was able to communicate more via texting with my children because they knew I wasn't understanding what they were saying. It was not an ideal situation, but it was working. But it was in the end of 2009, my audiologist um, came to me after a hearing test, and she had tears in her eyes, and she goes, Kathy, it's gone. It's And I was like, what do you mean it's gone? And she had said that, my my hearing was just, there was nothing left. I mean, I was like at 80% that I was, out of every 100 words, I was hearing 20%, 80% loss, 20% hearing. And yet that day, I didn't even hear one word that was right. Out of 100 words, I didn't hear one. What was I going to do? I didn't want to do a cochlear implant again because what if I just heard the beats? At home, nobody really understood how frustrating it was to hear. I could say I couldn't even hear an alarm clock in the morning. My husband would usually wake me up and tell me that it was time to get up. But yet, finally, after in 2009, I had a cochlear implant. I, I had no choice. I had to try again. My audiologist had told me that on paper, I was a perfect candidate, and on paper, it will work. But if any of you know, just because they say something on paper doesn't Medical. mean it's going to happen. You know, mm -hmm. so I said I would try once more, but I also knew that everything they took out of my brain to put the, the processor into my brain, they would not be able to take put back in. It's kind of like an egg. Once you, once you crack open an egg, you can't put it back in there like it was. Like a cucumber to a pickle. Yeah. It's a, yeah. a pickle now. Really? Exactly. Seriously. Are you kidding me? <laughs> See, you learned something new today. <laughs> I didn't know, I, but I knew I had to do something. And at that time, there was no newer hearing aid with more power, more strength. There was nothing. My only option was doing another cochlear implant. That's what I did. Early January of 2009, I decided to take the leap once more, and I had a cochlear implant. That meant nine weeks. Well, six, I think it was six to, six to nine weeks I could not hear 
because I couldn't wear anything. I had to let the swelling go down on my on my ears before I could put the external processors on, and it needed that time just to rest. So texting was my lifesaver. I think one month I did ten thousand texts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because Can you it was say like unlimited everything. data plan. <laughs> it was a very texting. good data plan. I had unlimited yeah. at that time. Good, but everything had to be done that way. My, people had to communicate with me if I was at the grocery store and I needed something. I I had to tell the 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 worker, "Can you please text me what you're saying because I can't hear." Everything resolved around texting. Oh wow! Because I couldn't hear anything. One day I happened to go to be activated because you actually get hooked up to a computer, kind of like. You know, we all have our computers, but I had to kind of, when I go for a tune-up, I'm hooked up to a computer. My audiologist was a Christian, and I said, before we start, can we pray? I just, I mean, I felt like I needed to pray, because if it doesn't work, I I didn't know what I was going to do. I surrendered, and I said, you know, if I cannot hear, it's okay, and if I can hear, it's even better, and I'll, I'll use it for your glory. So she started to do like pings, 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 and you know, testing one, two, three. Can you hear this? I'm like, well, I'm reading her lips. So I'm like, yeah, you're saying testing one, two, three. She goes, no, close your eyes. You know, <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So, you know, I close my eyes and she go testing one, two, three. And I'd say, I think you just said testing one, two, three. But for 20 minutes with all of that going on, my eyes closed. I was like, no, I'm not hearing you. It was like, I could not comprehend that I was actually hearing her. Usually when you activate it, you might not be able to hear as clearly. I mean, everybody has different activations. Some can only hear, like like I said, you know, like the vibrations. Some might hear a word or two. But it was amazing how clear it was. But I still wasn't believing it. It wasn't until she said, I want, I, I want you to listen to something on the phone. And she put the phone to my ear. And I can remember it as if it was yesterday. It was the, an operator was, was saying, if you'd like to make a call... Please, you know, hang up and dial the number or whatever. You know, but it was like, if you'd like to make a call, it's like, I looked at my audiologist and I said, you know what? I can hear. She goes, like, duh, that's what I've been trying to tell you. You could hear. And so I said, can we listen to Christmas music? You know, Christmas had just passed. And this was like end of February, beginning March. And she goes, what do you want to hear? And I said, Amy Grant's Tennessee Christmas. That was, or Breath of Heaven. I said, one of those two, that's what I want to hear. You know, she YouTube did, and and I was amazed that I could like hear that. It was just, it was amazing. And yet, the sad part was with this is that my husband wasn't there. He didn't want to, you know, couldn't get time off. It wasn't a priority. It just, it wasn't something he felt like he wanted to be a part of. Thankfully, I had a good friend that came with me because I don't think I would have believed it if I wouldn't have had someone there. It was a miracle, and I did feel like I was healed. I could hear everything. It was, like I say, it was, it was great. I am. I now mentor people that are starting their hearing journeys. I talk to people across the country that are looking at: should they get a cochlear implant? What's the benefits? What's the hard parts of it? And yet, everybody's story is different. But I love giving back to those starting those journeys. I've had a lot of journeys in my life. They've been ups and downs. But you know, Robert. Frost has always said, we all take a road, and some of the roads are less traveled than the others. And there was one road that I never I never thought I'd go through, and that was a journey of becoming a single mom. Mm-hmm. In 2011, 
I came home one day to find that my husband's bags were packed. Yes, we had trouble. We've never had a great marriage. It was always stressful. I never felt like I was good enough. I was never, I was always told I wasn't doing anything right. I had to ask if I was loved. You know, I had to ask if, if this was okay. I had to ask, I had to ask, I had to ask. I never got confirmation. I, I was, I never knew. I was always insecure, always walked on eggshells. So there was my husband standing there and his bags were packed, telling me he was leaving the next morning. He wanted to be single. He wanted a new life. He was done. Right now he was moving on. He said he didn't know what the course of life would be, but for right now he wanted to go. For three months I didn't even know where he was living. My son didn't know. The rejection, the abandonment, the feeling I loved was way too hard to handle. Food, again, was my love. My 16-year-old and I, my 16-year-old and I were embarking on a new journey together. It was one I didn't really want to take. How do I, at 47 years old, 48 years old, start over? At this time, I was almost 400 pounds. And I was feeling I could not do anything right. I was so inadequate, so unconfident in myself. I didn't know how the Kathy would go on. Financially and emotionally, how would I survive? Thankfully, if there's a thankfulness in this, I just started with a job with a bank in town as a financial advisor, but it was on the phone in a call center. So as you know, I'm deaf and I have a cochlear implant. The phone in me doesn't always work. <laughs> And it's not always something I can say, can you text me when you're on with a customer? Well, unfortunately, they they heard one of my phone calls, and it wasn't up to par, and I I lost my job. Again, I didn't do something right. So I started looking for a job. I just got my bachelor's degree in social services. That should help. We would be okay. Yeah, nothing seemed to go. I was not finding a job. Thankfully... A church here in town, real life, actually did an extreme makeover on my house. Oh. So that was something I could look forward to. They real did a, help, yes. Yeah, real help. They did that. And for Zach and I, so that we would have something new, and it was, and that was really good. But issues had, changes had to be made. I was in the pit of despair. My food addiction was just getting to be too much. Something had to be done. I was tired of the weight I was carrying, but it wasn't even the weight, it was the emotional weight. It seemed to be just all the hurts, the loss of dreams, the failure of who I had become. I knew I had to make a change. Some said that a gastric bypass would help. Some had said go on Weight Watchers, some had said do this, you know, go on Dr. Um, Phil. You know, everybody had a thing of how I should fix me. Everybody wanted to fix me, but nobody knew how to fix me. I knew I needed fixing, but I didn't know how either. Humpty yeah. Dumpty. Roundabout way, I ended up having a gastric bypass. Some said I quit. I cheated. But 98% of them applauded what I was doing. They knew I was making a change to be a better me. I had a gastric bypass. Has it been an easy journey? No. Learning how to eat and when... Life gets hard. I want to go to that bag of potato chips, and yet knowing that I can't go to the bag of potato chips has not been easy. Yet 
now I've lost over 200 pounds, and I'm, I've learned that my food addiction is an addiction. It's a battle. And just because I've lost the weight doesn't mean that I'll, I'll be okay. You know, a food addiction is almost like an alcoholic. It's You know what? I am a recovering alcoholic, and I was always so grateful. I know this sounds crazy, but I was always so grateful that I didn't have food addiction because as an alcoholic, I could not pick up a drink and just not pick up a drink. But with food, you have to face that addiction every day, multiple times a day, every meal. And I always thought, oh my gosh, I don't know how you can do that. It's hard. And it's hard now because now I feel like two and a half years later, I can have the pizza if I want it. Yeah, I can't eat that much of it, but I can have it. Do I want more of it? I could, but I choose not to. You know, I can have maybe a bite of a, a bite of something. Uh, you know, it's cheating, but oh, I can do it. You know, the, the devil kind of wants you to go say, oh, it's okay. It's really not, but I've learned that I can't. It's, it's, it's so easy for me too, but it's harder for me not to. But I know that when I don't, God is who has the victory in it. And there's times I'm standing in that line at the cash register and I see all those candy bars. And I'm like, Lord, just give me, please, just give me some blindness here because it's just so, so tempting just to grab a you know, chocolate bar and throw it in my bag. Nobody's going to see. But Kathy, God sees. don't ask for blindness. <laughs> but you know, I have I'm two saying. friends that are blind. <laughs> I just mean like temporary, like just for a couple know, of seconds, you know. And yet, I have learned to make healthy choices, and I do want my body to be a temple of God. Yeah. Do I fear a relapse all the time? I weigh myself all the time, and it is something that I do fear. Yet, I do trust God fully to keep me on that narrow road. Shortly after my gastric, though, I, had a, I got a new tool, and that was Pastor Dawn started Celebrate mm-hmm. Recovery and asked me if I would like to be in a step study. And I was like, what's a step study? Is that like, you know, aerobics where, you know, like in a stepping thing, you know? Are you going to help me lose more weight? <laughs> yeah, you know, I was thinking more exercise. I didn't realize exercise would be going through all my hurts, habits, and addictions. Right, peeling away the onion layers. Yeah. And so all of this bullying and feeling hurt and unloved and my always feeling inadequate kind of came to the forefront. It was like, all of a sudden it was all there. Everything I always tried to digest was open and 12 women that I had nothing in common with knew everything and they didn't walk out the door you know Mm -hmm. they didn't say see ya you know I don't want you in my group anymore whatever they embraced me with open arms and loved me but at the same time I knew all their issues habits and addictions and I didn't do that to them either we built we built a bond that was amazing isn't that amazing though Kathy when the when the source is really exposed and you realize it wasn't you the whole time you know yeah. it was uh yeah old slew foot there on the shoulder yeah whispering in your ear you know condemnation i think is his best gig it is yeah it is and and finding that you know you're not that bad after all is really like an awe thing the onion layer is a good analogy and it is that through a lot of tears and peeling that onion you know what emerged? I actually called the cocoon, the caterpillar. It emerged into a butterfly, and I've learned that I can fly. I've learned to let go of those hurts, the disappointments. 
I've learned that, you know, it's a part of my story, but it doesn't make me who I am. It doesn't define me. I'm not that little girl that was beat up after school that nobody liked and was kicked and, and all of that. I have learned that I'm a woman that I can, that Humpty can put a life back together. You know, I, I hear a lot of times single moms have said to me, how did you get out of bed? How did you do it? And I say, I just get up and I walk and I go and I move and I move. If I look back, I just want to sit there and cry. Yeah. But if I keep moving forward and keep doing what God wants me to do and keep my eyes on him and not on me, mm. it makes it makes a huge difference. I would like to say that life got easier going through recovery, that I became a new normal, but that was contrary to the case. I was I'm still a single mom. That hasn't changed. I still struggle financially, and yet God knew this. I knew that God was going to do great and mighty things, and I just didn't know exactly what those were yet. It was like he was giving me a present that I couldn't open. Mm. So I kept moving forward. During this recovery, I started working at our neighborhood Walmart store. They couldn't give me full-time, yet they could give me part-time. So I needed something, and that was better than nothing. Yet it was here that God opened my eyes to seniors. They're struggling. You know, some of them can't even do the basic grocery shopping. I had a customer that would come in every morning and just buy a can of soup for the day. And I found out he was a widow. His wife did all the shopping. He didn't know how to grocery shop. He didn't even know how to, you know, really plan how to... Plan meals and... Meals and and what soap to buy and how to use it. You know, it was just a whole gamut of, of things. So... One day I said to him, do you want me to kind of shop for you? I could do that, you know, when I'm off, if you'd like. If you trust me, I'll give me your list, and, and, and if you want, I'll pay for it, and you can pay me when you get back because you'll see the list or whatever. You know, we'll work it out. He's like, you do that for me? And I said, yeah, I, I'd have no problem doing that. So that's what I did. I started doing him once a week for a couple of weeks, and then... His neighbor found out I was doing it for them, for him, and they asked me if I'd do it for them. And slowly, on-the-go services became a reality. And like it, like you called me. What's, what's the name of it again? On-the-go services. On-the-go services. On-the-go. We're, the, we're the king of shameless plug here, Kathy. That's right. So, uh, shameless go, plug. Plug away. Go ahead and plug no, it. No, no. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to plug, but, well, but we that's want what you happened. to. We want you to. We are, are the shameless plug. Yes. <laughs> put out. Put out your phone number, your email whatever you address, whatever you want. However, go they can it. get in touch yeah, with you. Yeah, please do. Please She'll do. do grocery shopping right. for you. I, I'm odd. I do not like shopping. I'm not the typical uh. woman. I can't stand shopping, and I would pay someone to do my grocery oh. shopping and well, Kathy does it so reasonably <laughs> so. Yeah. well that's what I do I do grocery shopping <clears throat> I take the elderly to see their spouses that are in rehab or the hospital elderly on short errands I help them go through paperwork I do puzzles with them because sometimes they just want somebody to, to do puzzles with them I do whatever I can to help you take my neighbor's dog to the vet <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. I take your neighbor's dog to the vet. I actually have a client right now that has diabetes and doesn't want to do the dog shots. So I go there twice a day and I give the dog his insulin. It, it's amazing because now 
what do I do? I do whatever you need to me to do, wow. what you don't have time to do. I mean, within reason, okay? Right. I mean, I'm not going to go up on your roof and, you know, kind of, you know, pat, do a patch or something like that. <laughs> you know? but, in Florida, you know, in the heat. <laughs> exactly. And I, but I even have some corporate clients that ask me to do things for them, too. So, you know, it's been interesting that here's a girl that never felt love, never felt like she would, could do anything with her life, didn't have the confidence to do anything, has now has started her own company. But and who loves you? What's that? But who loves you? God. That's right. He does. And yet, I can tell you this. Does on-the-go services support me fully yet? No. But I trust God for my needs, and he does supply. I know this is the path God wants me on. You know, that little engine can. He, it's not that he could. It's that he can. You know, I'm, I'm taking those steps. I'm, I'm letting God control the driver's seat. Several months ago, I was actually having my devotions, and I came across Micah 6.8. And, you know, I'm kind of phrasing it, paraphrasing it, Kathy's language, but it says, God has shown Kathy over and over what is good. All he requires from Kathy is to act justly, to love mercy, and walk humbly before God. That is all it, that's it in a nutshell. All God requires Kathy to do is just that, and he will continue to bless me. Isaiah 58, verse 11 also comes to my mind where it says that the Lord will guide you always, and he will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land, and he will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose water never fails. What's next for Kathy? Well, I'm hoping to expand on the go services into more markets here in the central Florida area. And I'm slowly developing a fresh company called called Creative Senior Services that will be geared towards just the seniors in our community. God has given me a dream and a purpose, and best of all, He has restored me and has told me over and over again that I am His and that He loves me. What could be better than that? I know my days sometimes are weary. I start at 8 o'clock in the morning, and sometimes I don't end until like 8, 9 o'clock at night. And yet, I often wonder if I can continue. But then he sends me somebody and reminds me that I'm on the right path mm. and that God is good and that I choose to remain faithful. And that's it in a nutshell. Amen. Amen. What a nutshell. <laughs> Quite a nutshell. I don't know if that was a walnut or a pecan. <laughs> All I know is I that really encouraged me because, you know, I, I have hearing issues. Mm-hmm. And um, there's going to come a day we'll all have to deal with it, mm-hmm. possibly make the same decision she did. Mm-hmm. So that was very encouraging, Kathy. I really appreciate that. I, too, was also deemed a single parent, rather not by my choice. And, uh, Don't you just love that when it's not your choice? Yes. And, uh, you know, God's power is always perfect in our weakness. It says that we should uh, be thankful for our our low there's uh, also teaching and training in that, along with oh, yeah, humility. Absolutely. Yep. Fantastic. So, Kathy, how do they get in touch with you at On The Go Services? Yes. You can find her on Facebook, I know. Yes, you can find me on Facebook at On The Go Services. I do have a website, but it's kind of confusing because somebody kind of had that name. And so I kind of had to make it kind of unique. So it's on hyphen 
Services. In other words, like on the go services, there's a hyphen in every word. Okay. In between and then, one. yeah, the between the words, dot com. Or you can just contact First United Methodist Church in Claremont because they often refer people to me as well. That's who referred me to you originally. You know, and, and I'm excited to see what God's going to do with it because, you know, it's really his, it's really his ministry. It's not mine. Yes, I do charge. I have to charge something, but it is his ministry and it's his business. And I'm really just trying to show Jesus through it. And, you know, this morning I was giving a gentleman, the lady's dog, her shots, and I was leaving, and a gentleman kind of walked out the door, and he looked at me, and he goes, young lady? And I'm thinking, okay, I'm 51 here. He must not have his glasses on. <laughs> but um, he said, this is the day the Lord hath made. Do you know the rest of it, young lady? And I said, I will rejoice and be glad in it. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, thank you for sharing Jesus with me today. And I'm thinking... Like, how unique is it? Like, who could have a better job than that, than just seeing a fellow devoted follower of Jesus and be able to share the gospel together mm. and, and celebrate that? And to me, I think I have the best job in the world. And you probably feel that Amen. with God's stories. We but, oh, you know, absolutely. absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We love oh, it. yeah. We love it. And God shows us along the way, just like you said, he throws us a bone mm-hmm. just to let us know we're on the right track. Yeah, he does. So yeah. on-the-go services, and we love our peeps over at FUMC. Oh, yes, we do. And we love our our uh, CR folks, our Celebrate right. Recovery. And Kathy uh, is the third one all, so far. Kathy from, is the third one. and We and, all were in Celebrate Recovery right. as well, each one of us. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. I'm actually the assimilation coach, and I have led the food addiction group. And I'm just seeing what God's going to lead me with Celebrate Recovery now in the different avenues of it. It is a great ministry, and, and it is. you know, for your listeners that are out there that are hurt, that are hurting, and they don't know where to turn, look up CelebrateRecovery.com mm-hmm. and find a chapter in your area and start to peel that onion because, you know, we're all worth it. We are all loved, and God loves us so much more than we could ever think, thought, or imagine, right. and it's worth it, and they're worth it. You're worth it. And as I Kathy said, am. she was at, in the thing in, in, in her first uh, step study, and she put everything on the table. But putting everything on the table is the start to healing. Yes. Amen. Amen. And we've had a lot of, of Celebrate Recovery chapters pick us up on Twitter and stuff like that. So we're gaining a lot of new friends across the country yes. who are Celebrate Recovery leaders. And Why don't you tell them how they can get a hold of us if they want to do a testimony via telephone if they're from across the country or they can fly us there i don't care yeah <laughs> we'll go absolutely have luggage God we'll told travel. Us to take it on the road so Amen. i'm waiting for that next gig that's it god stories radio at gmail.com you can follow us on facebook god stories radio and you can tweet us you can tweet us <laughs> at god stories radio and then also on Google+, Plus, uh, we started a page. It's www.godstoriesradio.com. We're just amazed at how God has just blown it up. It's not us. It's his gig. Mm-hmm. And we got another new country this Yes, we week. did. Tell us, Mikey. <laughs> Didn't we say it at the beginning? Did South we? Korea. South Korea. No, South Korea. God, just awesome. Mm-hmm. 32 countries. 32 Unbelievable. countries. 
fantastic. Oh, to God be the glory for all. Amen to that. Fantastic. Thanks again for coming, Kathy. It's been my pleasure. May God continue to grow this ministry because it's God's ministry. And I pray that you'll be blessed abundantly. Thank you. And I just wanted to mention, and there is a button. Yes, so there is you, a button that we were told to put on there. We, we were told were to put on there. We're deadly not, against it for over a year. Yes, we're not begging by any stretch. God's will, it's God's bill. But That's if right. you feel a nudge, That's please God. push it. It's only going to help God Stories Radio. We have no other agenda but to help the hurting and encourage folks and have Kathy tell their story and people like Kathy and just encourage folks all, all over the world. So, Well, that wraps it up for Session 48. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And I'm Trish. God bless. God bless. So I can be filled Cause I'm still holding